0: Love Talk Radio.
1: guilty, but I'm still kinda innocent I just wanted to change pace a little bit I mean, come on, shawty, did
0: you see the chick? She 5'2", you 5'9", you thick as a bitch and she's
1: skinny fine Yo, boobs are huge, but look at her behind If I say I didn't love it, i will be fucking lying I just wanted to get out of like a couple times And I'll be right back, like right quick Never wanted to leave you, you a real bitch
0: This is sincere, I hope that you can feel it and come back It's been so long you be gone come back home. come back
1: Us. You really wanna stay fighting over this or what? what? This is ridiculous. We've been through so much, it's been so long. You really need to go and bring your pretty ass home. Cause I'm missing you,
0: I know I'm dead wrong. I know you miss me too, pick up the fucking phone. Let's talk this through so we can get along. Have makeup, sex, shout it, let's get it on.
2: Hello, 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 all my radio listeners out there. This is your host, Ravenda with MZ and ND Radio. Um, welcome back. I know I was taking a little hiatus and everything, but I'm glad to be back in here, full steam ahead. Um, as you know, we've been uh, preparing for our other radio station on the other network, Live 365, which is United Minds Group Broadcast Network. It's going to give you some more music, some more DJs, and some more quality music and sounds, and interviews, and topics about news, and and life, and people who walk around wearing the weirdest clothes, and everything that you can think of will be on that show. I want you to tune in uh, starting on Saturday, 6 a.m. The website to go to the radio player address is www.umgbroadcastnetwork.ning.com. Please go check them out. On Saturday, in fact, you can go check it out now while we're doing a little run just to see how things go. You can get a taste, a little quick taste, a sneak preview. So uh, I want you all to check us out. Uh, I'll be on Weekdays from six to nine, bring you some world indie music, and uh, bringing in another host, Mr. Don D. He's gonna bring us some uh, reggae flavor, and we have so many other things to go on in there. So I want you all to participate. I know you love me here, but you're gonna love me even better over there. When well, speaking of radio, our special guest today is a very important person, and he has had a lot of experience in the radio industry. He's known as radio um, personality MC Marcus Chapman. He's also the author of the uh, explosive tell-all book, which I can't wait to read, Sex, Time, and Radio. It's a raw, uncut story of an on-air personality and the decline of the radio industry. And he's going to tell us all about that, and we're going to be enjoying it. So please record this show, because for all you radio house out there, you're going to need to know some stuff. Marcus, are you on the line with us?
1: Uh, I think so, <laughs> if I'm not called the police, <laughs> what's
2: happening? How you doing? Oh, I'm so happy to have you on the show. I, I need some somebody that can give me some tips, too.
1: <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> yeah, well, when you read the book, you'll get plenty of tips and more.
2: Oh, okay. So can you kind of, uh, tell us a little bit about your, your um your background in radio, you know, how you got started and all that stuff?
1: Well, I started when I was in college, did three years of college radio, and then I got into professional radio Worked in Chicago uh, at a great radio station at the time in the late 90s. Then I worked at another uh, well-known radio station in Indianapolis. Uh, almost ended up leaving there and going to D.C. and almost went to Philly, Miami, and Virginia, and I was just up for all these different jobs or at least being considered for them. And I ended up going to Dallas at the powerhouse station down there for a while. Then I went back to Chicago. Uh, I also worked for a company that tracks radio stations, like which songs they play and, you know, just to, that's how they kind of make up the, the charts when you see what's number one and number two every week and all of that kind of stuff. There was an, mm-hmm. an industry trade magazine at the time called R&R, Radio Records, and so I worked for the company that helped put those charts together at one point, and uh, then wow. I worked at Chicago Radio again, and then I moved to Atlanta, and then I wrote Sex Time and Radio, and it's an explosive story, like you said, and it's all chronicled in the book. Not just what happens in the studio, but the entire lifestyle of what it is to be in that world. Because trust me, it is completely different from anything else you could possibly experience. And it's not what a lot of people think it is. You know, people have their different assumptions. I mean, over the years, people asked me all types of questions and made all types of statements trying to tell me what it was like, even though they weren't in it themselves. You know, so instead of having all these misconceptions and assumptions, I wrote what it was like to really live in that world, to try to make it in that world, all the ups and downs, the great stuff, the terrible stuff, it's all in there, everything from, being in the studio to being in the meetings to being at the concerts backstage with the artists and meeting the celebrities and on stage at the clubs and, you know, going to some of the listeners' homes or having them come over to your house or what whatever. You know, it's all <laughs> in the story, and it's all
2: pretty wild, and, and I'm very proud of it. Wow. Well, that sounds very exciting. And, unfortunately, I never got to have that much of a – and access to all the stuff you mentioned. I'm, I worked in a terrestrial radio for a little bit, but I've been on this Internet radio. This is really not exciting at all as far as, the, um, you know, what happens in our studios. But, you know, the most exciting part is to meet the guests and uh, play the music, you know. But um, can you give us some ideas of some of the incidents that you witnessed while you worked in radio?
1: Incidents that I witnessed, hmm. Now let's see. You you got to pick a, an area for me. What type of incidents you're looking for? You know, coworkers. You know, people I met. Or uh, uh, give me give me some a little more specific.
2: Let's talk about how people like say artists or guests are when they come into the studio. Like you know, we see them different when they're on TV and 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 when they're doing the, you know. Um, little reality shows and stuff like that. But how are they when they come in the studio, they do interviews, and you're playing their music?
1: Well, you know what? That's a good question, okay? Now, there are plenty of celebrity encounters in the book. I mean, I met all types of folks, whether I was interviewing them or somebody else was interviewing them and I was in the studio or even if it was at an event or concert or what have you. So, I mean, if you want to hear stories like that, trust me, I got them, whether it's... Beyonce or uh, Luther Vandross, Dr. Dre, you know, some of everybody. How they act, it kind of varies from artist to artist. For the most part, it's generally going to be cordial. It's going to go pretty smooth and there's not going to be any problems. But sometimes a few things may happen here and there that can kind of throw that off, that can make it very uncomfortable either for the host or for the other people around or, or even for the artists. I mean, for example, I tell a great story uh, back when Tupac had just passed away, or at least that's what they were telling us at the time, because a lot of people didn't believe it. You know, uh, Dr. Dre <laughs> came to the studio in Chicago, and, you know, mm-hmm. he was a little tipsy because it was on a Saturday night after Mike Tyson and Holyfield fight, and, you know, him mm-hmm. and his whole Aftermath crew came in, and, you know, they doing an interview on the air but It was during a time when, you know, it was music playing, so they weren't talking on the air at that point. They were just kind of taking calls or what have you. So they didn't hear what was Mm -hmm. going on over the air. And so somebody Mm -hmm. was with them, went to the bathroom, and heard the monitor, heard what song was on. They heard Toss It Up, Machiavelli. And if you remember, there's a verse in that song where he disses Dre and questions his sexuality and all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So all of them in the studio. (laughs) Now, I won't go into exactly what happened, you know, in the studio and even just after that, but I put it all in detail in the book. And trust me, that's one of the craziest stories that you've got to read, especially if you're a fan of hip-hop, because you'd be surprised at who did what and why and, you know, how dramatic it was. And, I mean, remember, this was 1996. I mean, you know, this was doing the whole East Coast, West Coast thing. You never know somebody's going to pull out a gun or what. So, yeah, all of that mm-hmm. book have plenty of stories you know, that even if they're not as dramatic as that,
2: they're dramatic. Mm. So can you tell tell me what was the most interesting or, let's say, um, thrilling experience you've had personally in, in the studio or in, in any of those stations that you work on?
1: Well, that depends on what type of three you're talking about. Uh, In terms of just Mm -hmm. straight-up doing radio, I mean, I always kind of got off on knowing that I was really reaching the listeners, and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the stories that I tell in there, like I tell one, how there was a a young girl called me, she was about 15 years old, it was in like a Wednesday night, because at this time I was doing an overnight show, and she called Mm -hmm. like 3 o'clock in the morning requesting this song by r kelly called the greatest sex and i'm just you know i'm like well, what do you want to hear that for she's like well i just got finished having sex with my boyfriend so she thought it was cool and i'm just like you know slow down you're 15 years old you're sneaking and she told me she snuck out the house to, to do it with her boyfriend and i'm just like you know what that ain't cool you know what would your parents think how would they feel you're doing this you're doing that. So I talked to her for about 10 minutes, which is kind of a long time to talk to one person in radio, just a listener mm-hmm. calling, because generally you don't have that kind of time to talk to anybody. But I took the time right. out to talk to this young girl. And then when I got off the phone with her, she called me back about five minutes later and, and thanked me for talking to her and said, you know, I'm glad at least somebody cares about what I'm doing. Now, for me, if I, I, don't, I have no idea what happened to her after that, but at least I knew that by me taking the time to talk to this young girl, there was a chance I may have kept her from going onto the wrong path in life. You never know, because you have a lot of power when you're doing radio, and depending on how you use it, can can change the outcome of somebody's life. You know, you don't may not necessarily be thinking that, but it can. So that was certainly a thrill. Uh, Outside of the studio, uh, most of my thrills came from just meeting the people who were listening. See, I was never really heavy into the whole celebrity thing. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was Mm -hmm. great to meet, like, people who made records when I was a little kid. It was great to meet artists who I liked, uh, you know, broadcasting live from concerts. All of that was great, and I talk about all of that stuff in a book. But the real meat of being an air personality doesn't really revolve around celebrity, even though... You know, you meet them and run into them and all that kind of stuff. The main thing and the, the most interesting stories come from meeting the listeners. And being a, you know, young single guy, you know, not too bad looking myself, you know, with a little, some pretty good communication skills that I developed before I even got into radio led to some pretty interesting encounters with, you know, particularly the female listeners and those documented in the book as well. And, you know, I, I would be a lie to say those weren't thrilling for the most part. Because in a lot of cases, when you work in radio, yeah, you have good things happening. It can be fun, but it's a lot of unnecessary drama in radio, and most of it doesn't come from the people on air. Like most of the people on air, you would think that maybe they would be egotistical, but the biggest egos you have to deal with are the folks who aren't on the air who work at the radio station. You know, because a lot of times people in the other departments, you know, they they aren't the type of people to be on here, but they still want to get that kind of attention or at least feel like they have that kind of access to all the other things that, say, a personality would get. And so because Mm -hmm. they don't have it, and you do, a lot of times that can create a lot of unnecessary trauma. So just dealing with that, dealing with management and decisions they make as in terms of who's on, what time, and when you get to do this, and no, you can't do that, There's so much drama with that. A lot of times just even being able to hang out with people who do listen to you is such a relief from all of that, you know. So I talk about all of that stuff in the book, and and you can feel the the tension and the the fun and the excitement and the anger and all of that when you read Sex Time and Ready. Wow.
2: So what made you want to write a book?
1: Well, originally it was supposed to be a movie script, and the idea came from just the experiences that I had, say, between about 95 through about early, through like late 2001, uh, because I first came up with the idea back in 2002. And just those experiences, it was so much cinematic stuff going on that I never would have thought would have even been impossible. Because remember, we're not just talking about being in a radio station. I mean, you see movies where, you know, you got cats in the studio and, and all of this kind of stuff. I haven't seen a radio movie yet that captures what I feel it's really like to be in the business. Even if it's a true story, it's like, you know, a lot of the stuff that's been out there has been from other eras.
2: And even some of the
1: books, there's some radio people who read books, but they haven't really taken you into the lifestyle so deep where you feel what it's like on all levels. From every angle you know, And I wanted to make it where you really feel What it's like And so that's what made me write the book I mean there's just so many crazy experiences Off the wall stuff And, and having as- access to information That could enlighten Somebody who reads it You know pretty much anybody who's listened to R&B and hip hop radio Over the past 20 years Has some kind of connection to this story You know and I had Info that they could learn from as to why things have gone the way they have, why radio was just such a real big deal at one point, and why now you have in most cities, not all, but most, uh, a lot of folks just aren't into it as much as they used to be, and they they don't see it as a big deal. Well, how did that happen? Well, I was around to see how it happened and why it happened, decisions that were made by companies and management and, you know, all of these different areas and and information that was going on, you know, it was like people need to know this. They need to know why things are the way they are, how they got their way. And then on top of that, I'm a historian anyway. I'm a music historian. I mean, I've always watched documentaries and done a lot of reading myself and research. And, you know, I just felt it was a chance to put a stamp on history, not just for myself, but I was really speaking for an entire generation of radio people who really never got the chance to get as big as we were capable of being based on our talents. So I wanted to show that so that anybody who's worked in the business, you know, you can kind of get an idea of what they've gone through, even if you don't know me personally, because everything doesn't revolve around me In the book. I'm more so the the uh, tour guide, if you will. I'm the person I'm the character study, but it touches on so many different areas and you have contact with so many different, radio people and and celebrities and and particular CDs you might have bought or particular movies or what have you, that all play into the story. And when you put all that together, it's so powerful. It was a book that had to be written by somebody, and I was definitely the best person to write.
2: Wow. So in your opinion, can you kind of reflect on some of the things that you feel were um, leading to the downfall, somewhat downfall of radio from where it used to be to where it is now?
1: Oh, yeah, well, the sex type of radio is written in five parts. So what I did with each part, I took a different stage of what it means to be a personality and what happened in that stage. So say, like, part one is blueprint of a radio star. The idea behind that was, you don't just show up at a radio station. Like, you're not born on on the radio. So how does a person even become somebody who wants to do that? You know, what experiences do you have both personally and in terms of just the world around you that will make a person want to go into that? And, you know, for me, as a reader – a lot of times when I read people's stories, the hardest part to pay attention to is the childhood stuff. Because I'm just like, man, get to the good stuff. Get to the part I know, <laughs> you know. But So what I did was I tried to make sure that part of the story was as entertaining as possible and showed you how you connected with the story, even if you don't know me. So that was the first part. The second part takes it up to another level, which is rebel music of a sex machine. That's when I first got into the business in college. So college radio is a lot different from professional radio. And Mm -hmm. so I tried to give you that angle and show the the different elements and the different events that were taking place at the time that added to the attitude of being on the air. Because some people are just happy to be on the radio. Other people take it to the next level and they do everything they can to make sure they are the best that they can be. You know, some cats be in the studio eating chicken and, you know, they talking on the phone, their girlfriend. Well, those type of guys aren't going to be as good. And I didn't want to be that type. So, how did I avoid that? Well, I go into that and I give you a whole lot of music knowledge that shows where that attitude comes from and how you connect with it. The third part is the cult of personality that's a breakdown of what it's actually like to be in professional radio, getting into it, which in itself is a story. uh, And then once you're inside, what happens? So that's when you get exposed to this whole new world of everything where the rules are completely different from a lot of stuff that you've ever experienced before, and you had a lot of great stuff happening in radio at that time in the late 90s. I mean, I was at one of the greatest stations in the country. So I had the ability to work around a lot of really talented people who branched off all around the country and did their thing, and that part of the story is probably my favorite part because it was such a fun time. Part four of the book is Road Warrior on the Industry Map. That's where you get into working in radio outside of your hometown because it's one thing that, you know, whatever city you're from, you get on the radio and your friends can listen to you who grew up with you, your family and, and folks you know and all of this stuff. You know where to go and what to do. When you get out in professional radio and you go to a different city, uh, it's a whole ball game right there. <laughs> you know, So it can be even more exciting, but it can also be more frustrating and more dramatic. So I documented those experiences. But that was still a good time in the industry as a whole. Now, when you get to part five, which is communication breakdown, that's the part you're talking about right now, where you get into the decline of the radio industry. What moves were made in the business that made it where it didn't live up to what it was before? You know, instead of people being hyped about it, people, are, I do listen to that comment, blah, blah, blah. you know, the attitudes changed. Well, how did that happen? Well, I had the access to the information, so I specifically wrote and, and not just things that I witnessed for myself, I did a lot of research. You know, I went and found particular articles that were written in trade magazines, you know, where you hear real people in the industry discussing their frustrations and the things that were the changes that were being made that they had no control over. Was, a lot of it was corporate stuff. You know, so all of that's in the book. And then at the same time, you still get to see how the lifestyle changes and didn't change in some areas from a personal perspective and also from the perspective of just being in the business and dealing with the artists and all of that. So you get a full, complete scope of what it's like to be in the business over the past, say, 20 years and even before that leading up to it. So by the time you finish reading, you know why it ended up the way it is now and then also you get a lot of knowledge and you get a whole another perspective on safe sex which is another big topic in the book as well.
2: Yeah that's that's one topic I wanted to touch base on because I was sitting here saying, What the heck does that have to do with anything? So can you can you give me some some reason why sex is so involved in the radio industry? I already know what it's like in the music industry, but how does that affect Effective radio industry
1: Well I don't know how much it affects The industry but I do Know this my goal was to show you A lifestyle And like I said earlier I mean when I got Into radio I was 19 when I started In college and then When I Mm -hmm. got into it from a professional standpoint I was 22 And being a young guy Around that age in your 20s and even going into your early 30s, you know, particularly if you're working at popular radio stations and you're not a bad-looking guy and you know how to communicate with women, the, the only way you're not going to have a lot of sexual encounters is if you just don't want them. <laughs> you <know>? And I <laughs> certainly was not the type of guy who didn't want them. You know, I enjoyed female company. And I ain't ashamed to say that. I don't think there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. Anybody who got something different to say then you sit on by yourself for, for months and months, <laughs> you know, and, and don't do nothing. You can talk to somebody who did that. Their story ain't going to be as exciting as mine. So, hey, that's the way it was. But, I mean, so it was important not, not just to talk about him, okay. but also to try to give some, shed some light on some of the mistakes people make and things they can avoid to improve their own lives. You know, I had a very unique perspective, especially since I didn't do the classic thing of, you know, I got a girl and then I got some girls on the side. (laughs) You know, I I didn't believe in that. I felt like I could have my fun and do what I wanted to do and enjoy female company without somebody else having to be hurt by it. So I was 100% single. And that opened up the possibilities for me more so than somebody who had to sneak around and hope they didn't get caught. I didn't, I didn't have that problem. So, you know, my experiences were, were pretty wild in some cases, but they were also very human, very much a reaction in some cases to the, the drama that I was surrounded by or helping me to celebrate when I was having a good time. And the, the bigger I got and the better I got, You know, the more fun the encounters and the more interesting the women were, and it would have been impossible for me to write this book without talking about those encounters and near encounters. I mean, even some of the women that I never had sex with, it was still very memorable. And if their stories, what happened between us tied into the story and had an impact, it went in the book. Of course, I use no names, you know, but I describe them in ways where you can get an idea and you know I'm talking about somebody real.
2: So what what do you what do you think the, the the attraction is by these women for a person like yourself, not individually, but like your position and, and anybody else in a similar position? What is the attraction to that? I mean, especially when you basically hear that person's voice, but you don't see them often. And what what could be the attraction to that? You know, what do you think? You know, it
1: is? It's, it's it's funny you mention that. One of the things when when I was working just really rolling, especially like late 90s, early 2000s. I didn't think about what I sounded like on the air in terms of do I sound good and all that. My main thing was I always felt like if I go in and give it everything I've got, nobody can touch me, and I'm going to give it a kick-ass show, I'm going to give it everything, and I'm just going to be so good that people, when they meet me, they're going to be like, oh, man, yeah, you're good. You know, they may not say that to me, but they may be thinking it. So it was always about leaving a lasting impression with the listener and making yourself a person they would want to meet. So when I went back, when I was writing at the same time I went back and I listened to a lot of the recordings of the shows I did over the years, which I didn't do a lot of before, mm-hmm. there was one factor that kind of stood out to me that really struck me that I never thought about. And the reality is, I mean, I sounded damn good on that radio, girl. <laughs> I sounded <laughs> damn good. So it was so good. I sounded so good at certain points in my career. If I was a woman, I would have slept with me too. That's how good I sounded. Now you- hey, Let me hear
2: that radio voice. Let me hear that radio voice. Uh but see there is no radio voice. Is this just, just me I mean I'm talking I mean, about the one that that's sounding good. The one that's sounding right. good, the one that you're using to promote your, your show and talk and all that. Like everybody doesn't talk the same when they get on the radio. So what is right. tell me how you sound when you're doing your thing on the radio. Let well, me get well, a sample. You
1: know what? Here's the great thing. All of that stuff is recorded. Preserved and it's online, so anybody who's listening to us right now can go to my website and hear any show I did that I posted up over my career at sextimeradio dot com. And the the difference is just the energy level, you know. Like when I first started, I was I didn't I was a little more mellow because I thought it was about the voice, and it's not really about the voice. It's about the projection and how you you know, the energy you're giving off, the vibe you're giving off. And when you're doing upbeat radio, particularly, you know, hip-hop-oriented radio, you're going to have a lot more energy than, say, if you hosting a slow jam show. But mm-hmm. it, you're still going to sound, you know, like a regular person. And what ended up happening is I think a lot of people who heard me, you know, they were impressed by what they heard, not necessarily thinking, ooh, I'm going to meet him or I want to meet him. Just, you know, they liked what they heard. And so when they did meet me, it was like, okay, you know, I'll I'll give you an example. Somebody told me, and this kind of applies to a lot of folks in radio, that generally the better a person sounds on the air, the uglier they probably are. (laughs) Okay. So they had radio (laughs) faces. You sound good, then you see them in person. It's like, oh, no, please, just go back inside the station. Well, if you're not one of those guys, if you sound good, but a woman meets you and you your looks kind of hold up to what, you, even if it's not exactly what they thought, if you're a good-looking guy, you know, automatically that puts you several points ahead because they were already interested to begin with just from what they heard. So if if you sound him good and that makes them interested, then they meet you, and then it's like, oh, okay. And if you know how to communicate from that point on, that can lead to some pretty exciting encounters. Now, I can't really say that that works for everybody in radio because, you know, everybody doesn't have the same kind of communication skills. It's not as simple as you're on the radio, so all of a sudden you're just going to have this great sex life. What it does is it gives you the opportunity to meet you're out doing appearances and hosting parties and and what have you, you know, you get to meet more people than say the average guy and it's just kind of like baseball. The more times you go at the bat, the more times you can possibly get a hit, whereas if you're sitting on the bench, you can't do that. So it just increases the chances but the impression, you know, every woman is going to be impressed to a certain degree by some kind of level of stardom because guys, whether they know it or not, are competing against each other, even if, you know, guys you don't even know. Say as a woman, you may go out and you may meet five guys, you know, but you're not going to sleep with all five of them in most cases because, you know, you don't want to get some kind of reputation, and, and that's not what you've been taught. You've been taught to limit your number of sex partners. Well, if I'm one of those five guys, you know, I'm competing against the other four, whether I know it or not. So if you think I'm the one who – if I'm the one who impresses you the most and whom you are the most attracted to, not just physically but conversation-wise and the vibe, then I'm going to be the guy that you sleep with, even if I'm not your boyfriend, your man, what have you. And that was another thing, too. I pretty much let women know up front, you know, I'm not somebody who you're going to be settling down with, you know, particularly when I was away from home because I knew I wasn't going to stay in those cities. So – you know, it creates a whole other dynamic where they're pretty much gonna figure out, okay, either I'm gonna do this or I'm not. And in most cases, mm-hmm. they are if they feel like you're somebody who they are really excited by, and it's like, you know what, I'm gonna do what I want to do, and that's gonna be it. Where if they don't feel like then that, then you don't have any kind of them. So, you know, it works both ways. Mm-hmm. But I wrote about the ones where, you know, it happened, and you know, I'm mm-hmm. glad they did. It.
2: Wow. So what kind of exciting perks did you get as, you know, a radio personality, you know, the things you have to do? Um, I want to make sure I'm not missing anything now that I'm a radio personality.
1: (laughs) Well, well, but see, it's different. See, like, Internet radio is kind of more so like college radio, but you have a much bigger stage. You have the chance to reach more people because, you know, anybody can listen to the Internet anywhere around the world. But it's it's a little bit mm-hmm. different. I, I, I mean, you can say that there are perks. I mean, yeah, you can get into parties free, you know, once your name kind of gets out there, or if you piggyback in mm-hmm. off, you know, one of your coworkers or what have you. But people can also diss you too. You know, at one point, mm-hmm. even after I had gotten established uh, working in Chicago, there were times where. I would go out and people would, would not let me in places. And people would try to diss me. Ah, you ain't nobody, you ain't nothing, da 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 So you have to know how to bounce back from that. And part of the way to do that was to you kick ass shows in the studio until you get to a point where you get promoted, and then things open up more and, you know, you don't get those type of reactions. You get positive reactions, at least at that time. You know, it may be a little bit different for people trying to come up now. But, you know, yeah, you might get into the club for free. Or you, you may get paid to host some events. You know, back then, you know, in the 90s, a lot of times, you might get three CDs, you know, which is a lot harder. That got a lot harder, you know, in the 2000s because record companies weren't giving as many of them out to the radio stations. You know, so that that didn't hold up as much.
2: But, I mean, you, yeah, you yeah, we might just get everything first. online now. We get stuff right, online yeah. now. They send us stuff. In an the email now, and I'll get too many darn songs. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you, you may get some perks, but but again, you can't, it's just like anything else. It's just like singing, rapping, trying to be an athlete. You can't go into it looking for perks because if you do, you're going to end up failing. Like, I didn't even go into radio to get perks because I thought people were going to like me. I mean, it was something I wanted to do because it combined, you know, the ability to play music and talk on the phone. And once I got mm-hmm. into it professionally, you know, and I saw that it was a, li- a lot different from what I was doing in college, you know, I, I mastered that art of it and became a great personality. So
2: wow. to me, that was the
1: ultimate you- part was just doing a great show and-, and knowing that people enjoyed the work I was doing.
2: Now, are you still on radio? I mean, are you are you um, a host of any other radio station now, or are you doing your own thing?
1: Right now it's just all about sex timing radio. Just the book and, and me promoting the book and selling the book and then taking it to the next step of getting the movie uh worked on. That that's all that's what it's all about right now.
2: Wow, are you how close are you getting that movie done? Well, right now, uh
1: I'm more so focused on the book, um and making the book a hit and getting sales from the book and then once we get to a certain point, then I will, you know, focus a little bit more on that. But, you know, you want to take one step at a time. You always want to kind of have your eye ahead on what you want to do so that you make the right moves before that. But you can't try to do too many things at once, I believe, uh, because otherwise a lot of times you may miss out on something. So right now it's just all about the book and what's inside the book to get people to want to read it in the first place.
2: Wow. Now, speaking of the book, I understand that it has a lot in it that would be considered um, rated X. Now, are these these particular, uh, you know, segments of the book real-life incidents that you just wrote about or are they a little bit enhanced by, you know, your experience?
1: Just well, for the sake okay. of the book. Let me make this clear. Sex, Time, and Radio is a 100% legitimate, first-hand, True story (laughs) There is nothing Enhanced (laughs) There is nothing That needed to be enhanced See that's the the funny thing You know I mean A lot of this stuff Was so crazy That's part of why I wrote it Like you wouldn't believe Like nah This couldn't have happened Nah That couldn't be true Well yeah it is And these are real people You know Real incidents Real You know Encounters All of it is 100% real There's nothing Fiction Nothing fake Nothing needed to be You know Stretched a stretch of the imagination, no. Nah. And I remembered so much of it so well, and even more of it came back to me as I was writing. You know, no, nah, I didn't, there was no room for anything extra. Trust me, it's all, it's all <laughs> true. And anybody who reads it, you you will see that these are true. because you can tell, like, there's no in the world, nobody has the kind of imagination to make up this stuff. It's all true.
2: Wow. Now, thinking about the book and thinking about being from real life um, witnessing and, and and experiences and things like that, it kind of it kind of uh, makes me think about other authors who have written about their experience that, you know, pretty much changed the names to protect the innocent. Um, do you feel like you may get some backlash from any of these stories that people start saying to themselves, oh, that was me? You know, are you are you thinking that you might get some people to come? Why you had to do that, man? Why you had to write about me in that book? You think you might get something like
1: that? Uh, I really don't care what they're going to do. It's already written. I mean, I didn't put anybody's name, you know. In terms of professional people in the business, yeah, I did use real names in those cases. But, I mean, I wasn't trying to slander anybody. I wasn't trying to drag anybody's name through the mud. But I was telling the true story. So in some cases you have a person who may be the hero at one point and at another point they may be the villain, you know, it just depends on what they did and how they acted. But people could verify who were around that this stuff was happening, you know, from in terms of the radio people or the artists, you know. Now in terms of the women, I didn't use any names. I didn't use any fake names either because I met so many people. I didn't want to cause any confusion. You know, I'm not trying to have somebody thinking I said I did this, this, and that, and then they'd be like, no, it wasn't. Well, I'm not talking about you. Oh, well, I thought you was talking about me. <laughs> no. <Nah. laughs> so Eliminate of that. <laughs> Yeah, no, nah, there's no names for the women. No. Nah. What I did was I just described them, in, you know, in a way where they will know if I'm talking about them. You know, but, I, no, nah, I haven't had any backlash so far. I had a couple of people make a few comments to me, and we discussed a little bit about you know, what happened between us and all of that. But nah, no, no no backlash, Cause especially not from the females, because for the most part, you know, I don't have any negative things to say about the, the women. Like, you know, I'm not a misogynist. I'm not trying to, you know, make women look bad. You know, somebody might think that just from reading a piece of it. But Sex Time Radio is a complete story. Like, even if I'm just talking about the one story with this woman or with that one, if you don't read that full little story and all you're looking at is an excerpt, then you may think that possibly. But when you look at the whole thing, you'll know. And they'll know I'm not trying to, you know, say anything negative about it. So no, I'm not really worried about that.
2: Hmm. Wow. Well, I'm going to take a very short break and um, do some patronage to my independent artists that I often um, support. Being on the uh, radio, that's the whole purpose behind M D and Indie Radio. We we support everybody who's doing their own thing, including writers like yourself, as well as our indie artists. And I'm going to go ahead and put on the saw so we can take a very short break, and we'll be right back with Mr. Marcus Chapman. If anyone wants to call in and, and ask some questions, um, the number is 347-237-5050. Please be polite. And if you are a person who was the subject of this story, um, we'd love to hear from you. You don't have to mention oh, your no, name. No. But it would be nice.
0: <laughs> you're funny. <right? laughs>
2: I don't think they're gonna do it because they going to see that. I see I have call I D so
1: <laughs> Right, yeah, no, nah, so you ain't gonna understand. get that call. I can say that right now. <laughs>
2: So we're going to put on a a nice little song by um, one of the artists who's actually on um, a reality show with um, Marosa and uh, Donald Trump. Uh, His name is Ray Lavender. It it pretty much budded his career in music. So we're going to play uh, Your Body by Ray Lavender, and we'll be right back. Body and he's all over the place So basically just do what everybody else does: Google his name Because you will see that fireman All over the internet And his music is available right now Even on iTunes So check him out um, Now I, I am so You know Feeling like I'm missing a lot here Marcus Because I've been on this radio thing for like two years Now you're saying that the internet radio Is very similar to college radio Okay, and I've never actually been in a college radio atmosphere, but I have been in terrestrial atmosphere. I, I assume it's similar, but I'm telling you, I'm missing a lot from the things that I've been reading from your your experts and um, and you know what you've been telling us. I feel like I'm missing a lot. So now, give me an idea of some things that I could do to bump up the atmosphere in my station. You know, so people aren't walking around like zombies. And they're like, you know, I don't want people walking around having sex or in my office having sex or, you know, in (laughs) the bathroom having sex or nothing like that. I'm just talking about. Hey, that'll spice
1: things up a little
2: bit. Why not? Nah, because, you know, you'll be hearing sounds and stuff like that, you know. So I want to get some ideas and some other things that we could do to, to pep it up a little bit.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, everything in radio pretty much revolves around the listeners and the callers. You know, when when people are calling and interacting, and you know, that's that's pretty much what it was all about. You know, so that's pretty much the focus of why I wrote the book. Because if if I hadn't had the experiences with the callers, everything else would have kind of been, you know, eh, so what. You know, but that's not the case. Everything in radio revolves around listener interaction. If you don't have listener Mm -hmm. interaction, even if you have listeners, it's not quite the same energy level. So when I was writing a lot of my stories, that's what I focused on, you know, the things that ended up happening because of the listener interaction. Even the celebrity stuff revolves around that because when the artists are coming to a station or calling into a station, you know, they're doing so because they're trying to reach the audience who bought the music or who could potentially buy the music. So it it all revolves around the people, and this is a book for the people. You know, I didn't write this for myself. I didn't write it to appeal to the industry. You know, I didn't write it to impress, you know, people who sing and rap and all of that, even though a lot of them are in it, even if they don't know it, you know, but it's a book that's <laughs> written specifically for people who listen to the radio station, not, not the artists who are on it, but the listeners so they can find out what it was like to be there and why things turned out the way they have. So whether they want to find out what it's like to be backstage at the concerts with with Nelly and and Beyonce and and all of these folks or what happens when Keisha Cole showed up and, you know, interviewing her or, or, you know, in some cases you get stories just from other celebrities who were around who weren't even directly involved in the event. Like I met Keisha Cole's mother, you know, I didn't know who she was, but you know she was with a skull cap on. I'm like,
0: hey, I know Yeah, old, we know about her mama.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, but see, we know about her now. At the time, uh-huh. you, nobody knew who she was. I thought she she looked kind of young from a distance. You know, I thought she was somebody I went to school with. But it turned out she was like, I'm Chico's mother. I'm like, oh, okay, good, nice to meet you. You know, so you find out all of these different elements of things that took place with them. But more importantly, you get to feel what it's like to be that person behind the microphone and everything that goes with that, the ups and downs, because there's a lot of struggle involved as well. And a lot of the struggle Mm -hmm. is just as interesting as the the fun stuff, because you get to see just the battles that that I had to deal with and what other people had to deal with. And you also find out why certain people are heard more than others. You know, I was having a conversation last night with a friend of mine who was like, well, you know, it seems like radio has changed to a point where it's not about the personality and, you know, entertaining the audience. And I'm like, yeah, it is overall, but yet you still have certain people who are heavily promoted and the radio stations are making their money off of those individuals and what they are doing even outside of radio. You know, so how is that you got a lot of older cats who have stayed in the business or have gotten in the business recently from other areas of entertainment who can do pretty much what they want to do, but yet you got people who were in the business before that who are limited, who either are pushed out altogether or still in it but get pushed out of that area of the spotlight and are not allowed to get as big. How does that happen? Who makes those decisions? Why are they made? All of that's covered in Sex Time Radio, so you can feel what it's like to be one of those guys, and you can see the the different ups and downs that even some of the superstars have had. That you know that are nationwide, or in some cases just in your own hometown, who you may think nobody else knows, but a lot of us do know them because they made an impact in the radio business.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, that's exactly the reason behind why. I decided to get involved in radio because I felt like the music they were playing on a regular was just like it's oversaturating with the top ten people or whatever, you know, and, and it was some old music that I liked and it was new music I was hearing on MySpace or, you know, some other music site that was just not getting played on the radio. So I knew that Internet radio was a way for independent artists to get their music heard you know, by the people and just bypass a whole corporate nonsense. And now it, it's pretty much taken off and people are just not even really buying music anymore. They're just either stealing it or they're downloading it or whatever. And then, you know, the, we see the industry starts to just look desperate because of the things they're doing. So what used to be available to the independent artists seems to be taken over by the major labels and in, in a major part of the industry now I don't ever see independent artists on the front page of my face anymore. It's always the same people that we hear on the radio all the time. So how do you how do you think that you know this whole situation with the internet is affecting uh, commercial radio? And do you think they are trying to like just merge into that whole internet radio thing just to just stay afloat? Uh,
1: no, I wouldn't say so much merge. I mean, the, the internet is certainly the The biggest way to get the word out On anything right now uh, Regardless of who you are But I will tell you this much In Sextammer Radio I break down the whole process Of how and why What songs get played How much they get played And how little they get played Or what have you See it's not necessarily about the artist People always think it's the artist When you cut on the radio First thing you hear is the song Does the song catch your interest Okay, if it does, then you want to know who the artist is, if you can't tell already by hearing the voice. If you don't know Mm -hmm. who it is, but you don't like it, you don't really care who it is. You know, and what goes on the air and who it is, all of that's determined long before anything gets to the radio station. I mean, the record companies have to figure that out for themselves what's going to be their best shot, and they know if they got something that's a hit, and they know if they're just kind of fishing and hoping they get something extra going on that that's not going to last anyway. So, I mean, I break down that whole process in the book, and anybody who reads it will find out firsthand, and you get to see why certain stuff gets played more than others. And it, it's pretty scientific, actually. It's not nearly as simple as you may think. It's not just like the radio station play what they want to play or they put something up on the Internet just because they like it. No, it's all reaction to what people like and what they're going to like. They they have to figure that out before the reaction gets there to stay in business to try to get the ratings, which in turn helps them get the revenue. So all of mm-hmm. that is broken down at Sex Time Radio. So when you read it, you, you have a much better understanding of that whole process and how and why certain songs get played and, and don't get played.
2: Wow. I know there is also a monetary reason why that happens, too, because even though I, they have some certain laws against the pay for play I understand through some inside uh, tips, <laughs> little birds, that uh, that's still going on in in some way, uh, the pay-for-play. Um, but you I know, also, I, I are, go into
1: that in the book as well. I uh-huh. talk about that in the book as well, all the way back to the very beginning, the first person who was ever seriously accused of that was a guy named Alan Free. But even right, Alan Free going all the way back to the 50s, he knew that it was all about mm-hmm. it. See, people want to say that, oh, they paid for this, so this is the reason why I get played. I've actually always been a believer that because I learned how it worked, you know, the same stuff would end up playing regardless. It's not so much they pan to get stuff played. Now, I'm not saying that folks don't end up paying for stuff, but I think it's more so like kickbacks. Not, we mm-hmm. going to pay you this, you know, so you play it. More so, like, you played it, so, okay, thanks, here you go, take this, you know. And mm-hmm. either way, I mean, it's not supposed to happen, but the reality of it is that the songs are in competition with each other, and regardless mm-hmm. of, you know, whether somebody's paying or not, and, and even more importantly, the record companies are in competition against each other. So if they think that's mm-hmm. what they need to do, then they'll, they'll go that avenue. If all of them just say, you know, we ain't going to do none of that, you're still going to hear the music, you know, and it's still going to be very similar. And, you know, all of that is covered in the book. So I don't try to hide from that because the thing I find interesting is when you look at all these older movies, the Temptations and all that, and you see cats exchanging money, that's the way that used to happen. Once you got up mm-hmm. to around the time, Martin Luther King got shot, you know, late 60s. You know the mm-hmm. power of who was picking the music changed. So the air personalities that you heard folks in the eighties, nineties, two thousand, we ain't got nothing to do with none of that. <laughs> okay, we our <laughs> job was to go in and entertain and inform the audience. It ain't about focusing on what songs get played. Not all the reason why I even know all of this stuff is because I made it a point to learn it and find out. The average person in radio doesn't do that anyway. You know, they they just doing because we got enough to do with in the studio, dealing with the people and trying to get the right calls and, and executing the contests and getting people to want to be a part of the show, coming up with topics and,
0: you know, yeah, music,
1: please. Y'all better handle the music. And if you don't, I got a problem because then that's some extra that I got to take care of. So, no, that's one of the mm-hmm. big differences between college radio and professional radio. And because I did both, I was able to compare the two. And you see mm-hmm. when you read the book, how it totally changes, you know, from the perspective of being a college jock, you know, handling music, to being a professional where that's not your focus. Your focus is the audience and somebody else is handling the music. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because you got so much to do in the studio and impressions that you have to make on the listeners. So, yeah, you find out all of that stuff when you read sex time for it.
2: Wonderful! I'm definitely going to be reading it now. I have a lot of people that will be listening to me um, talk to you in regards to your history in radio and your success, and most of them are uh, also radio hosts. And some of them are brand new, and they're pretty much still trying to feel their way around. Can you share with my listeners who are, you know, hosts or uh, potential hosts, um, some some things that you would think would make a great radio personality? and what it was that you did that you feel made you so successful?
1: Well, you know what? I broke all of that down in the book. So they it, like like they say, the game is to be sold, not told. So they want to find out how to make it, you know, read the book. It's all there. <laughs> it's all there. I don't hide anything. I give you everything I did that worked and that didn't work, and they will find out. But they also have to understand the business has changed. So some of the stuff I did, They could never do because it's just not allowed anymore. But it's a chance to learn the history and find out what it was like to be in the business before and where they can take it to now. So, no, the whole focus right now is for them to read it. I mean, put it this way, if you want to be a comedian and you're not listening to any Richard Pryor albums or watching any of his stand-up specials, you're not serious because that was the master. That's the blueprint for you right there you got to watch your Eddie Murphy delirious. you got to watch your Chris Rock bringing the pain. So if you want to be in this business, or even if you're somebody who just finds it interesting, because, again, this is written from the listener's uh, perspective to give them a chance to find out. So whether you want to be in the business or not, you read this book and you get taken into that world. So anybody who's around it, wants to be around it, or is just interested in learning about it, which is, I think, would be the majority of the people. Not so much the folks who want to get in it. Uh, you know, this is the book to read. You know, this is this is the Usher Confessions, the Jay Z Blueprint, the Notorious B.I.G. Ready to Die of books. You can't go wrong with it. Sex Time Radio is the book to read, whether you want to be in radio or not. I mean, you're not going to get the combination of entertainment and information. and and scandal and and drama and, and, you know, just outrageousness that's in this book. You're not going to find it in any form of entertainment, book, music, whatever. It's not going to stop this book right here.
2: Wow. Now, I I have in front of me a few excerpts from the book. Now, I want to ask your permission to read one of them to the audience, one of the short excerpts. So I'm picking yeah. one now. I'm just kind of looking from here because um, I want something that's going to make people just really want to run in there and, and go get that. So let yeah, me yeah, take a look and good. see what you got in here because you have, you have a lot of stuff going on here. And um, basically, I've never, you know, read anything in regards to uh, the actual truth about what's going on on radio. I know there's a lot of books out there about the music industry itself. But um, you know, I'm glad that you actually came out to do this particular book to bring that all out. Especially because I'm involved so much now, and I want to know what I have not ever known before about Radio flow. So I appreciate you coming through and um, and sharing that with a, all the you know the people out here that are going to get this book. Now, here's an excerpt that says Luther Vandross, uh, Too Short, and the Rape Factor.
1: Yes, a great chapter. Short chapter, but very powerful. A lot of celebrity info in that uh, But go ahead. You can read the answer.
2: Okay. A lot of males in radio aren't exactly what you call lookers. These jocks are described as having radio faces, meaning they should be heard, not seen, yet many of them still manage to do okay with women. <laughs> Unlike some of our on-air counterparts, You know, at uh, other stations The 2001 staff of K-104 in Dallas Was made up of nearly all good-looking guys That's weird Due (laughs) Due to this and the station's popularity There was a good chance that at least a third of the women In the club had been nailed by someone who worked for 104 Perhaps even more than one of us Wow the K one oh four staff members and attendance watched from the DJ booth while Short Dog and they were rocked the crowd with hits like Call Me, a duet he did with Lil' Kim. Cuss words, short, the ghetto Yeah. i learning. The ghetto and freaky tales. By this point in two thousand one, I'd masked more than enough sexual experiences to make my own version of Freaky Tales. So I related to the lyrics even better than when I first heard them in 88. But after the show ended, the Oakland native demonstrated that he was interested in doing more than just rapping about sex. Oh, wow. When he exited the stage, Too Short walked up to both uh, both a Mexican girl and an Italian girl and said, so what's up, (laughs) y'all? Want a menage or what? Really? (laughs) While the women were completely shocked, By his proposition, I found it hilarious, and it confirmed to me that he wasn't bullshitting in the songs I'd heard once I was a teen. Unfortunately for Short Dog, these girls were a little too young to remember him in his prime. Had it been a decade earlier, he might have pulled it off. But the the women he approached saw him as an old dude (laughs) and were not interested in him at all. When the party ended, the Mexican girl left with my boy and her friend went home with me. Unfortunately, the night wouldn't work out quite the way it seemed it would. (laughs) See, that's something I would like to continue reading, and I'm definitely going to get that book. Yeah,
1: Too Short is a legendary rapper. Uh, He was one of the first rappers to kind of curse consistently, and he was the first solo rapper that I can remember who talked about sex on a consistent basis. At the same time, you had two live crew, Luke and all of them, but they were a group. True Short came out solo and he was real big in California before any of us in the other parts of the country knew who he was. So when he came out in 88 nationally with Freaky Tales, I mean, the song he was talking about, he was naming off all these girls, I met this girl, Belinda. (laughs) Belinda. Homeboys call up Belinda the Blender. All this stuff—he was naming all these girls, and you know, and it was so many. You know, we didn't even know if that was true. And not. even he, he got to be lying. dog. he, he couldn't have been. <laughs> well, by the time I saw him in two thousand and one, you know, as, as I said, I mean, I had enough experiences where I could have made my own version of the song. So I knew he—he he was telling the truth. And so, even if he was using different names or what have you, you know, mm-hmm. so that was why it was kind of fascinating to, to meet him. Well, actually, I didn't meet him. We didn't shake hands and nothing like that, but he was on the stage. I was right there. But the whole thing about him approaching the two females went along with the type of stuff he was rapping about in the song. So that's why it was funny to me that the girls, because they was like, "Ooh, he's ugly, Ew. You know, they was acting out, and it was just hilarious to me because I'm like, this is the same type of stuff he was talking about in the songs. And people always talking about keeping it real, and Short Dog was real. That was his alternate name, Short Dog. But Too Short oh. was honest with, with what he was doing. And so that whole night was just hilarious, to not just to me, but to the rest of the staff and, and all my boys that I worked with in Dallas. I mean, that was a killer, killer radio staff at a great station. And when you're on a great station like that, you're going to have a chance to have access to more events and, you know, I mean, out of everybody who was at the club that night, I mean, I think only, like, maybe one or two people were getting paid. The DJ and I think maybe one person was hosting. But the rest of us were just hanging out. I mean, you know, and just to see that happen, that's one of the celebrity encounters that I had that was, you know, hilarious. But the, the thing about Sex Timer Radio is that I go beyond the obvious. You know, as you read in the excerpt at the end, it said, the night didn't turn out quite like I thought it would. Well, when you look at the title of the chapter, it's Luther Vangel's Too Short and the Rape Factor. Well, what you hear, well, the Luther Vangel stuff is earlier. You heard about the Too Short part. What's the rape factor? What is, where does that come in? You know, so I go into how that happened, you know, and why I titled it that. You know, not, not that I raped somebody, definitely not, but there's that rape Element does come into the story And I talk about how a lot of women You know that I've met over the years I've met a few who Either have been raped or knew somebody Who did and then I talk about Why that possibly Happens with a lot of people you know I try to take it deeper than just You know funny stories you know A lot of them are funny or interesting Entertaining but I also Wanted to get into the depths of A lot of the activities That people have The Roots of the Male Sex Drive. There's a chapter called Sexicism where you kind of get an idea of of what it's like. You you get examples of being in the spotlight and dealing with women, but you also don't necessarily hear people talk about, you know, what are the roots about it? How does a guy feel about having people constantly tell him that he's going to have all these women And then you look up and you find that's not necessarily the case. You know, yeah, you may get a few here and there, but it's not like people act like it is, you know. Now, looking back on it years later, it seems like it was a lot. But at the time, you know, if I was, say I was in uh, Indianapolis, for example, I was there for a year and two months. Well, You add that up, you got 365 days plus about another 60 days, so that's like 425 days and nights I was in that city. I was probably alone for maybe at least 350 of them, you know. Wow. But when you go beyond that and you look at the the encounters that took place, you think, oh, man, this is a lot of stuff going on. But when you live in it, it doesn't necessarily feel that way, you know. Spending a lot of time by yourself not that much do you can't hang out with your mom, can't hang out with your friends, you know. So it's a whole other element to the radio lifestyle that people don't talk about. And even just the chapter titles alone, if you mention some of those, you, you're going to be thinking, well, what, what is this about? Living like a rock star in the legend of the third floor. What is that? <laughs> you know, sexism. Mm-hmm. You know, the rotation, the twenty dollar challenge. You know, If You Can't Rock Me, Am I Crunk Enough for You, Exile on Sex Street. I mean, all of these chapter titles, I came up with them. You know, a lot of them are plays off of song titles because I'm a music guy, but they also have double meanings in most cases. Some, some chapters have triple meanings. And that's part of the fun of reading it is finding out why the chapter is called Come On, Ride the Train, <laughs> you know. Why is this chapter called (laughs) Telephone Love? You know, it may seem obvious, and at first when you start reading a chapter, you go, oh, okay, this is why he called it that. But then something else may come up, and you go, oh, wow, that was deep. I didn't know that was going to happen. And it ties into the title, Sacrifice of a Sex Machine. You know, all of this stuff ties into the overall concept of Sex Time Radio, which is taking you deeper into the lifestyle and also deeper into the psyche of a person who's living it, you know, what is it like to be that person? And that was what I wanted to accomplish, and I wanted it to go beyond the obvious and dig deeper, because the deep, the deeper you dig, the more substance you get. You know? So that's what I wanted to do with the book.
2: Well, that's incredible, because <laughs> I read some more of these excerpts, and my question to you now is: uh, Now, these women. That had approached you so many times. And I mean, approached you. No, nah, that's, to...
1: that's an assumption. See, most cases women did not approach you. I can count on one hand the number of women who approached me in my life. See, so you got to remember something. Radio is spotlight, but it's not like you're in the movies, you're not on mm-hmm. TV you're not in the video, you know, you on the radio. So first of all, a lot of people may not even know what you look like, especially when a lot of this stuff was happening. You know, if it was in the 90s, it was before most radio stations even had websites. Or, you know, there wasn't no Facebook in and, you know, Twitter and MySpace. None of that stuff even, even exist. People weren't even text messaging yet when some of these encounters took place, a lot of them. So there was no obvious connection visually. So even if somebody wanted to approach you, they couldn't because they didn't know what you looked like. Okay, most of the time women do not like to approach men. Women like to be approached, you know, because they feel like if they approach you, then you're going to think they're easy or something like that. So that, that generally doesn't happen anyway. My encounters took place because I took the step just like any other guy would and approached the women and started conversation. Now, i never approached anybody saying I'm Marcus Chapman from such-and-such radio station. Part of the fun was always to, you know, find out who they were first, then tell them my name, and let them kind of figure out that I was a guy from the radio. Because if you go up to them talking, yeah, I'm so-and-so from the radio station, then they automatically start thinking that you're trying to get something from them. You know, Even though deep down you are <laughs> But if you approach it that way It's too obvious See I, I went into a lot of techniques I use. There's a chapter called subliminal seducer There's another one called head games And I go into all of the the psyche And the, and the different things that I did To attract women And to pull women you know, It wasn't like they was approaching me Coming at me going ooh I want you No 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 Women don't like to do that anyway I was the one making the moves. I was the one. I was like a sniper. I'd go to a club. <laughs> a I'd see all these women. Yeah, for real. It was like it was like a sniper. I'd see all these women, and I'd be thinking to myself, I'd look at them and go, oh, okay, she's cute, but uh, not quite my type. Uh, She looks too this. Uh, she's too ghetto. Uh, no, I don't like that. Uh, She smokes. No, I can't mess with her. And then I'd see one, and I'd go, that's the one right there. That's who I want. i zero in on her, approach her talk to her, you know, socialize with her a little bit, get a phone number. Or, I mean, if they weren't interested, nothing happened. But if they were, got their phone number, and then I talked to them on the phone, which has become a lost art, <laughs> you know, talk to them on the phone and see where they heads were at and let them know how I was. And I wouldn't even talk to people about radio. You know, I didn't bring up my job and all this kind of stuff. If they asked me some questions, yeah, I'd tell them. But it wasn't I was never just a radio personality. I always felt like Marcus Chapman, the man, the person, was much more interesting than MC Marcus Chapman, the air personality. Somebody might have, you know, the radio stuff got their attention, but when even when you're on the radio, you're still not going to get nothing if you don't know how to seal the deal. you got to be able to communicate to make that woman feel comfortable enough to where she doesn't feel like, she's getting dogged out or that you're just doing this all the time and, you know, whatever. You kind of have to get past all of that. And that's not necessarily easy to do. You know, you got to know how to communicate. And because I was able to do that, then those encounters took place. But even when I was able to do it years earlier, you know, just being a young guy coming up, teenager, what have you, you know, those communication skills weren't there. So I had to develop them. And women in particular will gain a lot out of this book because you get to see the whole process of how a man goes from being a young guy, a, a boy who learns all of this stuff and interacting, learning how to interact with women, and then you get to a point where, you know, things start going your way. But then you can still have some ups and downs and you see how the the interactions with the women affect it, even early on in life, different uh, associations you can have with, with girls can affect how you approach women as a grown man. So, I mean, I go into a lot of deep stuff that doesn't have anything to do with radio, but then you see how the radio plays a role in the whole story as well. So, women, you got to read Sex and Radio. I ain't no doubt about it. You got to go on <laughs> Amazon.com to get up. <laughs>
2: Now, um, after all the experiences that you've had, and uh, let's say following the promotion of your book, um, do you have any plans on getting back into radio in some form, maybe internet radio or some, you know, starting your own station or something? Do you have any plans to do anything like that?
1: Uh, no, I wouldn't rule out getting back in radio, but that's not very likely to happen. My my main goal is pushing the book
0: getting the movie
1: going. Now, you know, radio is not generally a business that people get back in. First of all, it's 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 not that many opportunities in general, you know. And like I said, Internet radio is kind of the new college radio. So, I mean, I've already done that. I've already sat in the studio, picked the music I wanted to play you know, I mean, that's cool. I don't really have a desire to do talk radio. That's not really, you know, something. and I'm a music guy, so I like the combination of the two, the music and the talking put together, you know. But, no, I'm i not worried about that. You know, any, any future plans, that later. Right now, it's just all about promoting sex time radio, getting people to read the story because it's a story that everybody should read and can gain a whole lot out of regardless of what your background is. This book ties into you somehow, some way. As long as you turn on a radio station, particularly an R&B hip hop radio station, uh, you got to resist because it's going to give you the inside scoop on what it's like to be in that world and everything that comes with it, all the ups and downs, personal, professional, and everything in between.
2: Wow. Now, thinking about you know other people who have kind of like uh, who've been in radio for quite some time, but they pretty much are trying to. Um, be innovative with the way it's expressed. Let's, let's give uh, <clears throat> Steve Harvey's, uh, 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 I guess it's a cable program, combination radio, the Steve Harvey Project. Have you ever had a chance to uh, take a look at that?
1: Uh, yeah, I saw a little bit of it. I mean, I, I've seen uh, a couple of people who had, you know, TV shows where they in the studio and they show them doing the show. You know, I, yeah, I've seen that before.
2: So what do you think but about that?
1: Do you think that's something that can impact the way radio is accepted now? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to really say what, what's going to happen. I do know this much. I was in radio in Chicago when Steve Harvey yeah. got on in the first place. Radio wasn't even something Steve Harvey was trying to do. They mm-hmm. were offering him jobs, and he was turning them down because his main thing was doing television. Then right. he wanted to do movies. You know, so he he only ended up doing radio because a TV show he had got canceled. He was working on trying to get another one, but it hadn't been solidified. So in between, there was a little downtime. It was a way for him to, you know, make some quick money. They kept trying to get him to do it, you know, so eventually he was like, okay, fine. And he did it, but anybody who was working on that staff in Chicago when he was there will tell you. That wasn't really something he wanted to do. He kind of had the attitude like it was kind of beneath him, you know.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I didn't have a problem with him personally. I saw him, you know, several times, worked with him on a couple of occasions. Uh, I didn't have a problem with him, but most of the people who worked there felt like he was an asshole. That was the attitude they had, you know. Uh, Mm -hmm. I didn't think that, but, you know, that was. He certainly did not come off like he was trying to do radio, and he ended up leaving it once he got something else going on. He had so many different things happening, he ended up, he stopped doing radio, which in itself wasn't really that big of a deal because it was like, okay, he got too much stuff going on. He needs to drop something. But the way mm-hmm. he went about it, he just pretty much dished the radio station altogether. He didn't even <laughs> tell the bosses they were trying to find him and all kind of stuff. And the thing is, all of that stuff is documented in the Chicago newspaper. So I was able to go to their archives and and look at those articles, and instead of me just talking about my own personal angle from what I saw, I was able to also include the documentation where you say, okay, this ain't somebody's opinion. This was fact. This is what Mm -hmm. actually happened. And the funny thing is all of that was going on right around the same time I was making my own moves up to get my first professional show, you know, because I was on Mm -hmm. the radio. I didn't have a show. I was just kind of filling in here and there. So it it was just kind of funny how the two stories kind of happened at the same time. And then you had George Wallace, the comedian. And the whole influence of comedians into black radio started really in Chicago with Steve Harvey. And we, I mean, there was a point when he left, You know, George Wallace took over, but there was a time in between the two when they didn't have anybody, and they were auditioning Mm -hmm. all these comics. I mean, people you know, people you forgot about. You know, the whole comedians on the radio thing got really, really big. And, you know, some people say it was okay. Some people say none of these guys should be on the radio, regardless. But they're here now. The great thing about Sex Time Radio, though, is you get to find out how all of that stuff happened. And the impact it had on everybody else, on radio in mm-hmm. general, you know, not just how you might feel, but you see how it affected the business aspect of it and the mentality that the companies had towards the actual radio personalities who you know radio was their main thing, and that's what they got into it for. So you see how all of that stuff changed, and I wrote about it, and it's documented, and you can read it in Sextimeime
2: so Radio. Yeah, I see a lot of variations in um, different radio shows. You know, some uh, do more talking than playing music, though know, it's a music show and some vice versa, you know. Then um, we came across the Blog Talk, which is more like a podcast where you're most of the time talking, but, you know, we pretty much, some friends and I put music in there too as a, a way to help promote artists. But um, when I watch shows like Steve Harvey Show or listen to Michael Bazin, it, it doesn't feel like a radio show to me because they're not doing much music promotion. They're promoting themselves, they're promoting stuff that they're doing, they're promoting uh, their friends, you know, and they're doing a whole lot of talking and joking and stuff. So it doesn't it sound too much like more of a radio show to me. It's just more like a variety show on on the radio. That's how it feels yeah. to me. But I understand yeah, well, the what you're thing saying
1: is uh, morning shows generally going to have more talk anyway. And a drive-time show, even in the afternoon, will have more talk than, you know, a night show or, or show in between, which, which we call midday. So the fact that you hear more talking from them, you know, and that's the way it's kind of supposed to go, they are going to do more than the average person because they have a national show anyway, and the individual mm-hmm. stations don't have control over what they're doing. They kind of, it's kind of the other way around. This is our show. This is how we're going to do it. And you're either going to pick it up and run it on your station so we can help you get an audience, or we're going to go to the competition and you're going to have to beat us, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so that that's why that that whole approach is there, partially at least, you know. And I talk about all that. Bay's matter of fact, Bay's been from Chicago I ran into Basing years before he was in radio. Matter of fact, it was just before I started in college. We were both working on the train in Chicago, you know. And I didn't know him personally, but we ended up talking one day. And then years later, I heard him on the radio promoting his books. And then next thing I know, he looked up and had a radio show. So I mean, Basing is cool dude. He's a real cool dude. I, I got no problem with anything he does. Uh, but it's the thing that that's tragic is that you have those situations, but the attitude of the industry kind of became toward the air talent where if you don't have a big name already, we're doing you a favor by putting you on the radio, and we can get rid of you and replace you with anybody else who we can train and do your job like they ain't nothing but, you know, you a monkey or something. We can just get rid of you and replace you with somebody else. The problem with that mentality is that everybody in radio isn't on the same level. Everybody's not as good as, as me or, or some of the other people that I've worked with over the years in different stations. So when an audience gets attached to a particular person that they like and then they get let go, unless you replacing it with somebody who is equally as talented, there's going to be a, a big drop-off. You know, not necessarily a big drop off in listeners, but a big drop off in enthusiasm. See, you can still mm-hmm. listen to the radio and not necessarily be into it. So what ended up happening is, you know, you had a lot of really good people get replaced over the years by folks who weren't as good, or get replaced by national shows like you just mentioned. And if they don't feel that same connection with them, what, what ends up happening, particularly with African Americans. You know, other races will protest and even if the protest doesn't work, they at least let their voices be heard. African Americans Mm -hmm. what we tend to do is we turn away from it altogether or we just accept what's given to us. You know, right. That that's the way it has worked and that's helped with the decline because a lot of folks have turned away who used to be into it and then the people who are into it, yeah, they accept it they may not be as into it as they were before, though. Although you will have a certain percentage, you will always be down with the radio station, and it doesn't matter what they do, you know, they're going to listen anyway. But that's not most people. So all of those changes have definitely affected the attitude about radio, and I go into how specifically some of those changes took place, you know, with, with different comedians on in different cities and, you know, folks who, spent their whole lives, you know, professional lives at least, uh, working to get better at their craft so that they could be considered for jobs and then getting passed up by folks who weren't even trying to go on the radio. But they get on because it's an angle, it's a gimmick, you know, it's a trick that the program director can play on the audience. I want to see if this is going to work and it works because I'm going to promote the hell out of it and make people think this so-and-so is great, even though they really may be terrible, Uh, you know, and those jobs have gone to a lot of those people. That's why I wrote this, in a sense, as a response and as a way to promote and tell the story of other people who have been through those experiences in the business who anybody listening from anywhere around the country might have heard and been like, yeah, man, you know, I used to like so-and-so on the radio, What happened to them? Well, that person may not have necessarily quit, you know, or if they did leave, it wasn't because they necessarily wanted to. It was because the situation got so frustrating and their power was taken away and their ability to communicate with the audience may have been taken away or reduced so much that, you know, it was just like, man, forget it. What are we even here for? And that has affected radio in general overall.
2: Wow. Now, let me ask you this. Um, I know that, you know, there's always somebody that's above everybody else, you know, as far as position um, and leadership. Um, How much uh, freedom did you have in implementing your show and and creating uh, the different things that you did on your show? How much control did you have you know, as a radio personality to to do whatever you wanted to do. And if you didn't have that much control, what kind of challenges did you have coming from, say, your program director or anyone else? Well, in terms
1: of creativity, a lot of times there was control because that's what you were actually hired for. You know, what determines who gets on and who doesn't, a lot of that is, you know, coming across on the air with the creativity, and, and being innovative and, and knowing how to get the, the listeners hyped up and, you know, all of that, that that is a part of the job. So, yeah, and a lot of times, as a matter of fact, the examples I give in the book, you know, some of the features I came up with to get the listeners to call me, I mean, nobody told me to do any of this stuff. A lot of times I would take song titles, of hot songs that were out, and I would flip them and turn them into features to get people to call. You know, I did that for years. Mm -hmm. Well, I document all of that in the book, so, yeah, I had control over that. Where the lack of control comes in is how much time you have to do it. You know, is it a minute to talk, or is it 30 seconds, or is it, you know, 15 seconds? Or or even if you were using songs, if you're talking over the intros to songs, you know, you have no control over that because the the intro time is what it is unless you make a new version of it where you – extend the time or what have you but yeah you have control over that but uh from the corporate standpoint a lot of changes that happened in recent years was just the whole attitude of we don't want a whole lot of talking period we don't want a lot of personality just you know execute the contest and you know maybe put one caller on instead of a series of callers you know and that ended up changing the whole face of the game because, you know, from an enthusiasm standpoint, it's a lot more fun to be able to put a lot of people on the radio and talk to them and talk about subjects of of interest and substance than it is to just kind of go through the motions and not really talk about hardly anything of any depth. So, yeah, all of that's documented in the book, and unfortunately, I was able to experience both the good and the bad to be able to share that with the readers so you get a real feeling of what it was like to do both and all of that's part of sex
2: time radio. That's amazing. Now, I feel that the information that you're sharing with us is something that's helpful to a lot of people who, you know, are in it and maybe we're just going day to day with rose-colored glasses, you know, not really seeing the whole The whole picture. Do you feel like any of the excerpts or any any of the things that you wrote about kind of opened the eyes of people who were involved the same time you were in and didn't really see it the way you did?
1: Uh, no. I I feel like anybody who worked in radio, particularly from an on-air perspective, I mean, they would tell you similar stories. It's not like I'm telling them something that they don't know. (laughs) You know, no, they Mm know. You know, it's it's a little bit different for the guys on here than it is for the women. So some of it may be a little bit eye-opening for the females, just because it may not necessarily be what they thought it was or what they assumed in some cases. But um, Mm -hmm. from the perspective of what I wrote about the business, no. People in the business know this is how it is and these are the experiences. What separates it from other books that somebody might have wrote about radio was the depth I go into in terms of the personal end of it. It's a very personal book. Sex Time Radio is, is something that you feel and you know the people who are in it. You know, not just me, but even the other people I talk about. You get to know them through the experiences that I wrote about. So you feel all the changes and you, are, you get an attachment to the lifestyle and see all the different ups and downs. So somebody who's in the business could confirm, like, yeah, that's how it is, or they may not want to confirm because they don't want you to think they did it, <laughs> you know, especially mm-hmm. the, the <laughs> bigger name folks. They ain't, They don't want you to know about this book, trust me, because they're going to feel like, oh, no, he may be saying some stuff, and then my listeners think I'm doing that. I got sponsors. And I, I ain't have any sponsors. I didn't have anybody to answer to. It's just like this is raw, uncut. This is how it is. I ain't got nothing to lose. I'm putting it out there. And when you read it, you get to feel that, and you know it's a legitimate experience, so that's the way I did it.
2: Wow, I can imagine somebody (laughs) who's a a possible uh, subject matter in the book, reading the book uh, and just pretty much visualizing everything happening because they were right there at the time. Do you you have anybody ever just really pinpoint themselves in the book and approach you in a negative or positive way?
1: Uh, In positive ways, yes. I mean, I had a couple of people, former coworkers, and, you know, and and even people I didn't work with say that, you know, it was exactly what they wanted to say about the business for many years, and it was definitely a a documentation of what it's it's like to be in it. So, yeah, I've had that. I haven't had any negative feedback from anybody, only because, not not because I didn't say anything negative because, I, I mean, I told it like it was. So if somebody messed up and had no business doing something and said some stuff on air or behind the scenes that shouldn't have been said or done, I go into all of that. But I haven't gotten any feedback from those people only because, you know, they may not necessarily want to talk to me, which is fine with me. You know, I, I wasn't writing this to make friends. <laughs> so, uh, I wrote it because I want people to read and buy it. So what I want everybody to do, is to two things. One, go to Amazon.com and pick up Sex Time and Radio. You can get it either in paperback form or you can get the e-book. Uh, you can read it uh, on your iPad, your iPhone, your BlackBerry, your, your Android phone, or obviously if you have an Amazon Kindle itself, they have the free Kindle app that you can put on all those phones, and you'll be able to, to purchase the e-book that way and read it like that which, you know, is, like, very convenient for a lot of people. That's the way a lot of folks are going. The other thing I want everybody to do is to hit me either on Facebook or on Twitter. You know, just let me know, you know, you checked out the interview or, or if you have additional questions or comments you want to make. I'm always welcome to any kind of feedback. So get me on Twitter at com or on Facebook at com. And, you know, I'll respond back to you when I get a chance, but at least I know you out there and you checked it out and you're interested in what you heard. So that's what you need to do. The Sex Time Radio is a complete experience. It's not just a book. It's a way of life. <laughs> it's an event. It's like, like Spike Lee movies years ago. They weren't just movies. You didn't just go see school days and do the right thing. and These were events people were talking about. They were a big deal. The sex Time Radio is along that same type of vibe.
2: Hmm. Now, uh, are you are you doing any um, any traveling book signings right now?
1: Not at the moment, but that is a plan in the future. Matter of fact, I'm trying to get a deal uh, to re-release it. Matter of fact, to another company, we may even put it out as as five separate volumes for each part. But you know that that mm-hmm. will be in the future. But right now, it is the way it is as a one legitimate piece. Sex Time Radio, Ron Costor, and on their personality and the decline of the radio industry and
2: that's the book that you got to read. Hmm. now uh my radio station that I'm I'm with uh, outside of blog talk united minds group broadcast network we do a lot of things where we promote uh artists and we also have events that we you know manage and, and we bring people out to promote and um then we have a, an upcoming event, which is more like the entertainment industry type of um, conference where um, it takes in people from the music, film, and fashion industry. And um, we'd love to have you come out and do either a workshop or just come out and just, you know, uh, bring your books, um, you know, if you want to sell them there, whatever, however way you want to do it. But just to kind of go over a few things without actually telling those book. To some of the people that will have interest because we're going to have some folks from radio stations, um, like internet radio stations that are like pretty new to the business that are interested in finding out a few things. And we also have some book people, you know, from book clubs that will be interested in reading a book. So you're more than welcome to come out on the East Coast. Um, uh, I believe we're going to be in New York in Astoria. Um, And I would love to have you out there. Oh,
1: I'd love to be there. Yeah, we'll hook it up. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm always <laughs> down for interacting with the
2: people. So, yeah, I'm, I'm down with that. We're going to set up. Yeah, that would be great. So I'll, I'll stay in touch with you in regards to that because I would love to learn more. I'm definitely getting the book. More than likely, I'm going to sit up all night and read the whole thing and learn some stuff. Hopefully it doesn't subliminally Put me in the mind of doing things In my station the way things happen In a lot of the stations you work at But it'll certainly be uh <laughs> Like something to teach me a few things That I won't do You know, and I won't allow uh, When I have no, no sex romps in, <laughs> in my station Just for anybody listening You know, don't y'all get all excited now Because that's not how it's supposed to be <laughs>
1: Now, who so said there we're gonna, romps in the radio station?
2: Nah, nah, you know, know I know some people that told me there was some sex romps in the um, radio station. I'm not saying, that see, I want to get, not you, I'm talking about some other people, and I was trying to get an opinion from you of what you thought, because, you know, when I had people tell me stuff, so, I think they're just making it up. Now I hear you, and you give me some facts, so I'm going to definitely read the book, and then I'm going to uh, let them read the book and tell them, see, y'all was just making that mess up, wasn't you?
1: Uh, No, they they probably not, because I know I wasn't making that. Now, I'm not saying that there was nothing sexual that happened at a radio station, but I never actually had sex at a radio station. Now, did anything sexual happen? You have to read the book to find out,
0: (laughs) because there's a chance that maybe something
1: did, you know. But for the most part, I was in there working, and any encounters I had that took place, they took place after work hours. You know, because I was in there mm-hmm. focused on making it happen. So the better y'all on the air, the more excited people are going to be to meet you, anyway. So that increases the chances of things happening. Can't be in the studio distracted. So it's got to be a real local <laughs> situation, something to go down in the studio. So if that happened, and I'm not saying it didn't, but if it did, <laughs> I don't recall at this particular moment while we talking. But if you read, you know, the memory may come back.
2: Right. <laughs> I know that radio station I work at was boring as hell, so I'm like, well, this this is an exception to the rule because um, they did not have anything exciting going on in there, nothing at all. But um, I'm enjoying having the access to the Internet where we get a global audience and more people to, you know, like listen to us, you know, talk and, and listen to the music that we're playing. Um, what do you think about how, you know, radio, Internet radio per se, is – as far as people from other countries and cultures learning about how things are done over here, you know, and and our music, how do you think that's working out right now with, you know, the the exposure to the global audience?
1: Well, I mean, it's great to me because I get a chance to promote the book. So, (laughs) you know, I don't see anything wrong with it, you know. No, I mean, it's fine. Anytime you can get more people involved, it's always a good thing.
2: That's true. And we get a lot of people. So one thing I would like to let you know is that um the show is up for uh download so those who didn't have opportunity to listen to it live are able to download the show and uh keep it on their computer, play it back on their cell phone or, or wherever. And, um, you know, I can do a repeat if if I get some requests for people who want to hear it live. I, I mean, they're not going to hear it live, so I don't even know why they would request that. But they can just order it, and if, you know, they don't want to um, do that, then I could send them the file. So I'm just letting people know it is available to you. I'm glad that he didn't go too much detail on the book, because I want you to definitely go to Amazon.com and pick it up. From the store, um, you know, online or any other resource that um, provides this book for you, it's very important to read something like that from somebody who experienced it, as opposed to people who are just thinking of something that they wish could have happened. You know, sometimes that happens a lot. I know a lot of people write about stuff that are fantasies to them, but I appreciate you, you know, doing something like this and giving us this opportunity to hear stuff that's been going on. And I can't wait to read the book.
1: Yeah, and let me say this, too, real quick. You can go in any bookstore and ask them for it, and they can get it for you there, too, if you prefer to do it that way. But the online way is the best way to do it. Go to Amazon.com, get Sextime Radio, or you can just go straight to my website, Sextimeandradio.com or MCMarcusChapman.com, and that will take you directly to the Amazon listing, and you pick it up on either paperback or ebook. And of course, you can hit me as well. Shoot me an email, or hit me on Facebook at MC Marcus Chapman, or on Twitter at MC Marcus Chapman.
2: Great. Now, what I'm going to do is forward your information to some of my other radio hosts, and they'll be contacting you to invite you in for an interview with their listening audience. And hopefully, that gets um, to impact some of the sales that you have for your book, because I think it is a great product, and a lot of people should have access to it. So, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. And um, thank you, Ari, for um, and, and introducing me to Mr. Marcus, because he is such a, a gentleman. I mean, you did not, you, you wrote well, about this. I wrote this, about so, gentlemen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you wrote about this. I'm now, easy to get alone with, easy to talk to. I wouldn't use the word gentleman. You right.
2: could have flirted with me the whole time, but you didn't. so.
1: <laughs> right, but I thank you for having me. Thanks for having me on the show.
2: Wonderful. And I'll post your link. You know all over the website So if anybody needs to, to um, get more information on that You can go to our website at com And we were listening to Mr. Marcus Chapman Please um, pick up the book And I thank you for um, joining the show We're going to continue on with the last few minutes of our show Playing some more music from our independent artists who are getting promoted. And I also want to remind you that you can also listen to us at uh, UMG, United Minds Group, Broadcast Network, and you can find our music player at www dot umg broadcast network dot dot com and you can check out some great uh, varieties of music and personalities on that station and we're having a ball getting it um, prepared for our first launch on December the eighteenth six a.m. our first show and please enjoy it and please you know send us a request for music and and tell us if you like it so we can know how to best please our audience thank you so much Marcus and you have a great holiday.
1: You too, thank you very much Sex time radio the book Tell all, get it <laughs> Let's
0: see Worldwide
1: In your face, all over the place, we're online 24-7. The hottest internet radio station.
0: Look.